You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentary's Global Rankings. Hi there, welcome to the show. It is Tuesday, June the 13th, another glorious morning here in TW11. Thanks so much for listening. A week away. Royal Ascot and plenty of Ascot news through the next few minutes. We'll be hearing from Ammo Racing's Tom Pennington spinning through all the likely two-year-old runners from that operation. Plus, news of King of Steel, who may yet appear, the Derby runner-up, in the King Edward VII stakes at the Royal Meeting. Stay tuned for that. I'll also be joined by multiple Royal Ascot winning trainer Charlie Fellows, who has an interesting hand again, has a dark horse for you that might need to win tomorrow to get in. Plus... Perhaps his most inspired but madcap piece of training ever. First, however, what about the highest rated horse in the Gold Cup? That remains the much forgotten Trushan after two rather disappointing runs this season. But I've been on the line to his trainer, Alan King, who's about to shed light on why those runs might have been disappointing and what's been done in the intervening period. Well, obviously, I was I was disappointed with his with his two runs this season. But we, we, we gave him a thorough MOT after after his um, the Ascot run and the Cigaro, and um, we sent him down to Ben Brain, who obviously most people know specialises on the the breathing, and and, and he found or we found that he had a sort of unstable soft palate. So that's been cauterized. Um, he's back in strong work again. Look, we're very happy with him. But you know, I I was worried early on that. Maybe the hard races had left an effect on him, but I think more poor, poor bugger wasn't breathing properly. So um, he went awfully well at the weekend. He's due to work again tomorrow, and, and then it'll be up to you know the lap of the gods as to how much rain we get as to whether he makes it to Ascot or not. I remember speaking to you earlier in the season after the first of the disappointing runs, and you were saying, "Well, maybe I maybe I ought to try and do something different with him, or just tinker about with him, play around with him, just to sort of see if I can ginger him up a bit." Do you actually just think? It was just the breathing, pure and simple, and you haven't really had to. I think so, yeah. Um, I and mean, we have swapped yards as well. I mean, he's always been, he's been based over at Sharpbridge really all his life. So we, we, we brought him to the main yard um, just to give him a change. He goes into the spa every day after exercise as well. And um, it was very interesting talking to Ben when he when he worked him with the, with the camera and he's through it, that he was working very well. And as, as the soft palate sort of billowed up, the head went in the air and he sort of, well, didn't down tools, but he's, you know, it he, he was definitely affecting him, and and that's what I think we were seeing at the end of those two races, Nottingham and Ascot. You know, I mean, Nottingham, he looked sure to win as he sort of quickened up between the two and the one, and I, I put it down to maybe first run back on deep ground, but I think there was a, a physical um, underlying problem. You know, so you just m- monitor the forecast for next week, but I mean, you'd like to run him if you got what good to soft, I guess. Oh, good, good to soft. We would run him, yes. Um, but of course, it's the one race that we've always wanted to have a run in is, is the Gold Cup. He's never managed it yet. But um, I don't know. I, I, I'm not overly hopeful looking at the forecast. You know, um, it, it would probably need to rain heavily on the sort of Wednesday, Thursday to to, to, to make it viable. But we'll see. But then you just chip away and 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 play each cup race as the forecast dictates. Well, I think 
Yeah, we've, we've sort of taken a view that if we don't get to ask it, we might just give them a little break. Rather than keep them ticking all summer and we might not get it, uh, give them a break and train them for the, the, um, the card run and ask it, um, which he's running before, you know? Uh, and that, that idea that you were going to ping him over hurdles, has that now been, been put, put back on the shelf? No, I wouldn't dispute that. No, I wouldn't say that at all. There's every reason that we might go hurdling in the winter. Okay. Um, uh, he schooled years ago, didn't he? He schooled as a three-year-old, yeah, and, and, and um, he was very good. And then when, when he beat Hamish at Newbury, we sort of decided, well, he's he's not going to go hurdling as a juvenile. We'll, we'll give it a year and go as a four-year-old. But um, obviously he took off on the flat and that, that was that was put on hold, you know. But um, I'm not ruling it out. Him aside, is there any is there any other horse in the yard who's going to get you getting your top hat dusted off this year? Yeah, we have a few to run. Um, HMS President, who won at Newmarket. I mean, he'll either run on the mile and six on Tuesday or the mile and a half on Friday, probably favouring the mile and a half. Raymond Tusk, he'll go Tuesday, mile six. Um, Tritonic, probably the mile six, although I, I'm, I'm going to pop him in the Ascot Stakes as well. So we, we could have um, three or four, four or five. And I, wasn't there one year where you ran three and all three won or something like that or ran four and three won? I think I ran five, three, one, one was second, and I think one was unplaced. But, um, <laughs> okay, I wasn't, I wasn't far off. Still, you've got by by percentage, I think you've got about the best Royal Ascot strike rate out there. Uh, don't worry, it'll soon come down. All right, that was trainer Alan King. Nice little bit of news there. Lee Moss said, senior writer in the Racing Post, that True Shan has had a breathing operation, and if there is a bit of rain, first couple of days of Royal Ascot, suddenly a revivified True Shan comes right into the mix in the Gold Cup, doesn't he? He does indeed. And I, and I talk, Nick, while uh, looking at my uh, BBC weather app, other weather apps are available. Uh, it suggests light rain showers on the Monday, the Royal Meeting, Tuesday, light rain showers, Wednesday, drizzle and light winds, a bit of rain on Thursday. And of course, we're a long way off. Things can change. Um, and we all know from Ascot as well, all it really takes is one monumental shower for things to change quite quickly, particularly on the round course and we've the, the, the my memory tells me that we've had quite a bit of soft ground at Royal Ascot in recent years or at least it feels that way on certain occasions if we did get that sort of ground then True Shan becomes a huge player um we'd seen and heard post-race interviews from Alan uh this year in which there had been talk of True Shan going over hurdles and he sounded quite despondent so this is a real change of of tune and if the 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 problem that has now been uh tackled was indeed the reason why true shan had been disappointing in his two races he had run appallingly he just run a fair way below the level that we've seen of the true shan of old if he does bounce back he would be a, a real player in the gold cup providing he got his ground because with the best will in the world, it does not look to be a great Gold Cup at the moment. It's an interesting Gold Cup, more interesting, in fact, because so many horses could potentially win it, which hasn't been the case in recent years. But I think if someone had told you uh, at the start of the season that Coltrane would be as short as nine to four favourite in with one bookmaker for the Gold Cup, you would have been surprised. That's no disrespect to Coltrane. He's an excellent horse and he might win the Gold Cup. But it's a wide open Gold Cup and Trushan at his best on his favoured ground or something close to it would be a real threat to all of them. Yeah, and it's a less interesting Gold Cup because Haskoy has injured a tendon and has had to be retired. The lightly raced 
second past the post in the St. Ledger last year, which is a great shame. And I wonder if that does indeed open up the ride on Echoes in Rain for Frankie de Tori. I suppose that might depend on whether the the Oppenheimer horse, who was so impressive at uh, Goodwood the other day, Courage Mon Ami, takes a massive step up in class and goes for a, a Group 1, and whether indeed Frankie would necessarily ride that horse. So that's all to be all to be decided. Let's talk about two-year-olds. Well, a lot of two-year-olds at Royal Ascot will be owned by Kia Jarubchin's Ammo Racing. Because we don't have the entries yet, we're not quite sure which ones. The man to tell us which ones and to rattle through them all is his racing manager, Tom Pennington. Where to start? Tuesday with the Coventry Stakes. Um, but Coventry, as things stand, I'd say we'll have sort of Buccaneer if worth entered who won on the first day of the season at the Curra. Um, Richard Hannon will probably have a couple entered, headed by Packard, who broke his maiden at Linkfield last week. Um, and I'm sure Thunder Blue, who won impressively at Goodwood on Sunday, will have an entry there, as will Cuban Thunder, who won nicely at the Dante meeting for Dominic French Davis. They'd be the sort of four that might be entered for the Coventry Stakes. If you were Kevin Stott, which one of them would you ride? Um, God, if I was Kevin Stott, which one? Again, a lot of it depends on the ground, Nick. Um, mixed messages with regards to the weather who would i ride i don't know i'd say if there was a bit of cut in the ground and the rain came i'd probably i'd probably lean towards buccaneer Fuerte. okay um it looks as though there's some showers around next week but nothing that substantial at the moment what about the queen mary queen mary um we've got a couple of nice fillies um alice haynes has majestic beauty she'll probably go there i was in at george Bowes this morning he is very happy with graceful thunder who won at sandown a couple of weeks ago she's a very nice filly the form's starting to stack up andrew ballings who was fourth in that race was an unlucky loser i thought in the hillary neither at the weekend she'll go there um, we might enter Comat, who was obviously kia's first homebred winner she won up at red car then was listed placed in france she might have an entry um then there's also thanks but no thanks who won at lingfield she could also go there so we, we could um yeah we'll have a we'll have several several in there too you're going to ask me who kevin would ride yeah go on i'd say it's between alice and george's but i'm not sure so between between majestic beauty and graceful thunder uh, i would say so but again you know we'll have to sit down and discuss it with Kier. okay uh let's move on and talk about the the norfolk you're going to struggle to win that race i think or are you Yes, it looks, it looks a very strong race on paper. Obviously, everyone's talking about Carl Burt Colt. He won the National Stakes in a very good time. He looks a nice horse. Um, if the rain did develop and, it, you know, there was a bit of soft in the description, I think we could we could earmark that race for Thunder Blue, who will have a Coventry entry, but he's a very nice horse. I know Roger th- thought a lot of his horse we beat the other day at Goodwood, and um, we like him a lot. I, I, but as you say, it, it'll take a, take a bit of winning that race. And have you planned horses specifically for the Windsor Castle, or are you using that as a as a, a bit of a um, overspill race? Um, look, every two-year-old race is going to be very competitive, but we, you know, I think we've Alice is quite keen to run maximum impact there. He's a nice horse. He's won both his races this season. He obviously won that faster race at Leicester when there were no stalls and heavy ground, uh, but then he backed it up and won over C and D at Ascot on better ground. Um, back in May I think he'll go there he's a very nice horse he's been ticking over nicely since then working well so I think he'll be um, he'll be going for the Windsor Castle Our last conversation was after Lagarida had won at Goodwood I presume she's the, the number one for the Albany Yeah I mean this she's going to be one we have to discuss with Richard and Keir um, 
the form of that race at Good was working out quite nicely now. John Gosling's Qatar racing filly that was third. She went and won nicely at Kempton. Um, but she is by New Bay, so she could she could run in the Chesham. I'm not sure, you know, Key is happy to take on anything. I, I was I was actually very taken with the good old Venorce that won at Haydock last week. If he goes there, he might take a bit of beating, but we get the we get the Phillies allowance. Phillies have got a decent record in there. I think September won it a few years ago for Aiden. Maybe he's won it, so she's got options. Um, but the way she won at Goodwood, I'm, I'm sure she'll be competitive in anything she runs in. She's a very nice filly. Um, and we haven't lost faith in Persian Dreamer, who was obviously very impressive at the Craven meeting. Then I think a combination of the five furlongs and the quick ground in the Mary Gate probably played, played against her. She didn't really let herself down on that ground, but um, she's a very nice filly, and I think six furlongs will suit her at Ascot. I've got to mention Matt Maker as well, actually, because this is a filly that Kia bought on spec himself in the ring at Tats last year. She was 20 grand acclaimed filly. And she actually won at Newby last week. She broke a maiden impressively there. Um, I don't think it was much of a race, but she posted a very good time, um, well below standard. And she'll probably take up um, an, an entry in the Albany as well. And obviously, if, if there's an older horse of Ammo's, Tom, that we need to talk about, it's King of Steel, the Derby runner-up. He's still got a Royal Ascot at entry. When we spoke to Roger last week, he was sort of suggesting Grand Prix de Paris or Irish Derby. Uh, what's the thinking at the moment? Is Ascot actually a, a possibility in the King Edward Seventh? Look, he's still got those three entries. He's got Ascot, he's got the Irish Derby, he's got the Grand Prix de Paris. There's pros and cons to, to all three of those races. You know, France France looks an obvious target because it's a winning you're into the arc. He's not entered in that. It's 120 grand to supplement. All I can say is, he's, you know, and all Rogers reported is, he's, and I saw him last week, is that he's come out of the race from the Derby bouncing. Um, you know, can take horses, three-year-olds, you know, his first run, you can take a week, 10 days, even longer to get a race like that. But he's actually come out of the race bouncing. He looks fantastic. So all options are on the table at the minute. That, that's, what, that's what I'd say at this stage. Tom Bennington there, just going to show really at the end that there's still a few cards left to play. Suddenly, if if King of Steel, and it is still an if, Lee went to the King Edward VII stakes, that suddenly makes that race five zillion times more interesting because of how exciting he looked in the derby. It's clearly a sign, the fact that it's being considered, it's clearly a sign that he's absolutely bounced out of Epsom. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I remember, Nick, watching uh, Keir Drabchen, Tom Pennington and Kevin start with Roger Varian looking from the second spot at Epsom Racecourse at the, the video big screen replay of the derby with faces of what might have been. The horse ran a huge race there. This is always a carrot, the King of the Seven States horses that ran well in the derby, but you don't expect horses that finish second to run in it. Who Yamal was actually supplemented last year, but didn't then run in the race. If King of Steel runs and punters and bookmakers clearly think he will because his odds have collapsed um, this morning, he would completely change the complexion of the King Edward the Seven Stakes. Um, there are lots of options for horse like this as the Irish Derby coming up and then the, the Grand Prix de Paris. The King of the Seventh only carries Group 2 status, but it's a very valuable contest. It's seen as a consolation prize. And I'm sure that after their Derby mission, the camp would like some consolation. But I guess the case of do you go here or do you wait for the Curra or Longshore? Maybe you could do both. Yes, yeah, really this particular decision is really a question of how much you fancy being on the big stage at Royal Ascot before you go to those other targets. We will wait and see whether King of Steel heads to Royal Ascot before the Grand Prix de Paris uh, and or the Irish Derby. Now, we got a pretty 
exhaustive list of two-year-olds there from Tom Pennington. I suggested to him that he wouldn't win the Norfolk, but he said, don't rule ours out. It's going to have a mountain to climb, though, because elite status and American rascal, this British-American matchup, looks an absolute crackerjack, uh, Lee Motter said. Which way do you see it going? It's pretty rare, Nick, for me to go into the Raw meeting uh, looking forward to one of the two-year-old races uh, almost as much as any of the 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 three-year-old or all-age group ones but i really am with with the norfolk stakes it could be a, a monumentally uh deep clash between elite status and american rascal i think if either of those two horses had been going into a royal ascot juvenile event without the other one they would be a, a red hot favorite um elite status was so impressive in the national stakes. I watched it from up in the press room where you have that well, as in the grandstand, you have a tremendous side on view of the sprint shoot. And I thought visually to the naked eye, um, his winning move there was even more impressive than it looks on television. Um, he was uh, incredibly good that day. And Carl Burke spoke afterwards in with the same sort of bullishness that had marked his commentary about dramatised going into the Queen Mary last year. I remember speaking to Carl doing uh, doing Racing Post previews the day before the Queen Mary, so on the opening morning of the Royal Meeting, and he pretty much said to me, this filly will win this race. And we used his bullish quotes in the Racing Post, and afterwards, he's the first words, well, I told you, didn't I? Um, he's not afraid to say when he really likes the horse. He really likes this horse. But again, goodness, if you watched American Rascal um, making a winning debut, you would be thinking that has to be a Royal Ascot winner. Um, a horse with impeccable breeding by curling out of Lady Aurelia. We know what she did um, at Royal Ascot. He won by 10 and a half lengths on his debut over four and a half furlongs at Keeneland. It had the wow factor written all over it. And I think if someone had told you at the time, that he would be as big as 11 to 4 going into the Norfolk Stakes, you would have been hugely surprised. But he is that price because, again, elite status was so incredibly impressive in the Norfolk Stakes. There'll be other good horses against them, but to beat both of those horses, I think, would require uh, an immense performance. Um, I think it's a, a stupendously exciting clash, that, Nick. And, of course, it's three years since Wesley Ward has had a Royal Ascot two-year-old winner. So... I think the market is just slightly sliding sliding against him now, whereas once they were overbet, I think this is a horse that, that could conceivably be underbet American rascal yeah. because of the presence of elite status. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, you're, you're red hot in the American form and you're a Wesley watcher. What, why do you think it is that Wesley's record has rather tapered off at the Royal Meeting of the two? Well, the, the 2021, I think a lot of his chances were washed away by the rain. Uh, last year, I don't think his horses were good enough, uh, and also he's been uh, he's been experimenting with home based riders coming over that sometimes has worked in in cases like Velasquez and Rosario, and sometimes has worked less well. I wonder if Tutorial will come in for one or two of the rides this year. Rosario is going to ride American Rascal. I mean, that does look a bit of a point and shoot job, but um, you know, I think if he gets his jockey policy sorted and he's got the right uh, ammunition then you know we know that he he is uh, deadly yeah absolutely um and actually with just with american rascal you you reference point and shoot job but i think wesley in a piece in the post uh earlier in the week was 
was suggesting that the horse actually could be ridden with more patience. And if if they're both ridden that way, elite status and American rascal, um, then you've got a great jockey clash as well as a as an equine clash. Uh, what a way to start the Thursday of the Royal Meeting. Okay, new market trainer Charlie Fellows has tasted Royal Ascot's success more than once. And of course, he went heartbreakingly close with, with Grand Alliance last year, more of which in a, in a moment. But I really want to start by talking about a horse called Gorak, who was 72, 74-ish rated when Charlie picked him up for 26 grand off Richard Fahey during, during the, the closed season. And he is now, thanks to a, an extraordinarily enterprising piece of training, um, going to run at Royal Ascot uh, with a new mark, of 105 after a, a fourth placing in the John O'Gorns at Haydock last weekend. Now, a lot of people would look at this, Charlie, and say, Fellows has lost his mind. He's got a horse going up £19 for one run, finishing fourth. But there is method in the madness. Just tell us why. So, so there is method in the madness. Um, he is owned by 39 Australians, uh, led by Jason Richardson, good friend of mine i know you're good mates with them as well one of the nicest guys you will ever bump into and um he just basically said to me when when the horse really started to improve he, every week has been like are we going to get into ascot do you think he can run at ascot do you think he'll be get his mark up high enough and we've done everything we could to try and get his mark up but we fell short and he won at haydock about two weeks ago uh, and he won quite nicely there, but his mark still went up. I think he went up three or four pounds to 86, which was going to be way short of getting into a Buckingham Palace. Anyway, I was it, it was not a plan at all. I mean, I, I, yes, it would be an idiotic plan if it had been a plan. It really wasn't a plan. I was just sat entry tracking, and I saw that the John O'Gaunt was light, that had about nine entries, and that half the ones that were entered wanted soft ground and there was just no way it was going to be soft ground so I rang up Jason I was like look you're going to think I'm mad but if we really want to have a chance going to Royal Ascot there's a group three that's coming up light all he has to do is go and run a rel- relatively creditable race not get lapped and his mark will go up uh, and we'll go sort of 94 95 we'll I'll look like I'm absolutely you know the most intelligent man in the world uh, we'll sneak into the Buckingham Palace We'll have a great day out and happy as Larry. You know, a 26 grand horse off to Royal Ascot. The Aussies flying over left, right and centre. It'll be fantastic. Anyway, little did I... I hadn't really bargained that he'd run as well as he did and he got beat two lengths. Ran a blinder. And instead of having to call the handicapper yesterday morning begging him to put me up enough to get into the Buckingham Palace, I actually had to call the handicapper begging him to not put me up too much that I would still be able to get in the Buckingham Palace because it's a ceiling of 105 and they were threatening to put me up more than that. Luckily, luckily, sense prevailed and they've given me 105. So he sneaks, he's going to get in at top weight and we've got our Royal Ascot runner. Uh, You're going to have to claim off him a bit, aren't you? Uh... No, so no, no claimer. They've already booked. They they booked James McDonald. Oh, have they? Uh, yeah, Jay um, Richo. Richo was MC at Jay Max's wedding. So um, when he got in, they were like, "Please, please, please." I mean, Neil Callan has done a brilliant job on him, and I feel actually very sorry for Neil that he's not going to ride him at Royal Ascot because he's done a brilliant job last two starts. But um, but Richo and Jay Mac are great mates and. He's one of the best jockeys in the world, so it looks like he'll probably ride. 
that, that to be honest that's worth about seven pounds anyway as you as you well know so oh that's it's, it's a fantastic story I, I hope it has a the happiest of endings what a hardy horse he's been you've got a, a lot more horses that would have been more obvious candidates for Ascot at the beginning of the season I, I mentioned Grand Alliance um is, he took himself off the naughty step at Newbury is he okay for Ascot yeah he's all on track he's going to do his final well he's going to do his last big piece of work tomorrow morning uh he's in good order um, he's versatile ground-wise. You know, he's won on bottomless. He he was beat at Ascot last year on on a road. So I think we go on anything. And I think looking at the field, I'd probably rather it was quick ground for him because that might scare Hookham off, who uh, could be very hard to beat if the ground comes up to so soft side of good. So um, he is on track. He looks a picture. Very happy with him. Um, Marban is a humongous price for the Commonwealth Cup. I mean, that was a really, really creditable run uh, at Salisbury behind a horse who's going for the for the Jubilee. Um, is there something I'm missing? Uh, no, I, no, I don't think so. I tend, I tend to agree with you. I'm slightly surprised at his price. I think that was a good, uh, a very good listed race. It was a group race in all but name last time out, and he looked like a sprinter. You know, we were. When he ran at Ascot, he was off the bridle early on, although he did have to race with him on his own a little bit. But we were just slightly in two minds as to whether he was a Commonwealth Cup horse or a Jersey horse. Uh, at Salisbury, he really confirmed that he is a sprinter. He travelled like a sprinter. He probably doesn't have that electric turn of foot uh, that you need, especially if they go stride steady. But at Ascot, you tend not to need that, and they always go a good pace. So I'm... Yeah, a bit like you. I'm surprised that he's the price he is. Um, I'd be amazed if he goes off that big uh, on the day. You're not a massive price in the in the Hunt Cup with with Atrium. Do you do you give him any sort of chance? Yeah, Atrium just hasn't had anything go his way this year. He needs a strong pace to aim at. He needs a little bit of cut in the ground. First two runs were on bottomless ground, which he hated, and then his last run at Newbury they went too steady for him. Uh, Hunt Cup will set up really nicely. He loves a strong pace, good big field to aim at, um, but he would not want it too quick. So uh, just he he wouldn't want a road. He'd want sort of good or good or softer, basically. And I'm guessing, would you run the dream if if the ground was anything other than than easy-ish? The dream won't run unless it's soft side of good. If it's soft side of good, she'll go to the uh, Diamond Jubilee. If it's proper soft ground, which is very unlikely, she'll go to the King Stand. And I know that the reality is that if you're going to have a winner at Royal Ascot, it'll be an 80-rated horse that I haven't heard of yet. I'm that's that's the way I'm thinking. So there's a couple, a couple, yeah, just that fly under the radar. Um, I run an interesting horse at Kempton tomorrow called Tawala, who I would love to get into the Holyrood House. He's rated 81. He's running in the same race that's Latin Lover that won the race last year won but he needs to win and he's been drawn in the car park 11 of 11 tomorrow which makes life a lot tougher if somehow he can get a win and sneak into the race he'll be very lively although he wouldn't want it too quick um Mm. yeah he'd be my pick of the under the radar ones uh charlie you're very generous putting him on the radar uh best of luck particularly with gorak what a story thanks for talking to me thanks mate really kind that was trainer Charlie Fellows. That's a cracking story about about Gorak. As he said, he nearly did the job too well and was was going to get 
a 21 pound hike in the waist, which would have put him out of the Buckingham Palace from having not been able to get into the race, but managed to persuade <laughs> the handicapper just to give him the 105, just to give him the 19 pound rise. But as a Jason Richardson and those 29 other owners are absolutely, as they would say, stoked and even more stoked <laughs> to get uh, J-Mac on him. So all power to him. What a great story. Yeah, absolutely. I remember speaking to uh, Jason when uh, I was over in uh, Melbourne for the spring. And at that point already, he was uh, speaking with such enthusiasm um, and excitement um, about this horse uh, and the pleasure that this horse was 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 giving him and the, the fellow owners. And it'll be a great story. Um, I think last year's Royal Meeting for me was so much better uh, for the return of a real strong Aussie challenge. Now, this isn't an Aussie horse, but he's got Aussie owners and he's got an Aussie jockey, albeit a Kiwi Aussie jockey, in, in J-Mac. And, and that's a jockey as well who could have a, a sensational um, raw meeting. He's bound to pick up lots of good rides, I'd say, uh, for uh, British um, trainers because he's so well-respected. Um, but in Coolangatta and Artorius, um, he has two tremendous chances in the Group 1 sprints, perhaps particularly in Artorias, because although Coolangatta has to take on Highfield Princess in the King's Stand Stakes, I think the uh, the Quinnisworth the second uh, Jubilee Stakes on the Saturday, for me, looks a particularly weak Group 1 Ascot sprint. And Artorias on better, better terms this year, um, compared to last year when he was a, an Aussie three-year-old but was treated as a four-year-old over here in, I think, a weaker race. Um, I think he has a major shot at winning that race. Could be a big week for J-Mac. It, it could be a big week for J-Mac, uh, James McDonald. It's not often that you see uh, an Australian with his tail between his legs, Lee, but that is the case today. Uh, tell me a little more. Yeah, um, Australian Bloodstock, Nick, is um, a tremendously successful racehorse ownership venture um, in Australia. Um, they have uh, long since set out of their stall to bring in European equine talent and race them in Australia. They've had a lot of success doing that. They've won two Melbourne Cups, including the most recent edition with the French import Gold Trip, who won the race for Kieran Ma and David Eustace. So they're a well-known uh, venture. Um, and one of their two directors, Luke Murrell, um, posted a Twitter video last week in relation to the one of their latest European acquisitions, a horse called New Energy, um, who we know well as a solid group performer, trained in Ireland, ran a big race in last year's Irish 2000 Guineas for trainer Sheila Lavery. Uh, whose brother John was the the horse's uh, lead owner. Um, Luke Myrell, one of the two directors of Australian Bloodstock, posted a video last week in which he was extremely disparaging about Sheila Lavery uh, and the horse's uh, previous uh, connections. Um, it was a video in which the language used quite rightly was received with shock, hostility and anger by many European re racing participants who felt that uh, Sheila Lavery had been done a huge disservice by Luke Murrell. Um, the, the video stayed live for longer than it should have done. And then overnight, we have had an apology from 
from uh, Luke Murrell. It was posted on the Australian Bloodstock website and on social media. He referenced the promotional video um, that he had posted, and he's talking about his comments. He said, I used some language in that video which was extremely disparaging, untrue, cruel, malicious, and hurtful to the people either mentioned or implied. He goes on to say, nothing I can say, whether it be emotion, emotions or stress or words used to encourage a buyer, nothing at all excuses the comments made by me in the promotional video, which were, which were related to some very good people, Shil Lavery, Robbie Colgan, and any person uh, associated with the horse. He um, issues his apology and reservedly withdraws his comments. And uh, he will, will hope, I guess, that this draws a line underneath it. It's not the first time that Luke Murrell has had to or has decided to post um, a social media apology. A few years ago, back in 2016, he made comments in relation to a race in uh, a Canterbury Racecourse, which raced in New South Wales, felt to have been prejudicial to the good conduct of Australian, good reputation of Australian racing, which in relation, in relation to um, trainer Chris Wallace, um, numerical challenge um, in a race and the tactics used on those horses. Luke Murrell again posted a social media apology for that one. So he has got previous on this one it's right that he has made the apology but it is almost it's hard to fathom why he would have said the things he said in the first place or felt it was a good idea to post them on social media it's a regrettable episode the sort of organization that to an extent relies on goodwill from the racing community to flourish Switching countries now, and yesterday the BHA, the British Horse Racing Authority, has confirmed that Japan Racing Association, JRA-trained horses, are no longer subject to the BHA's anti-doping foreign runner requirements. That's to say they are not required to be in this country, in the UK, for the mandatory two weeks in the, in the lead-up to uh, any given race. And they join Norway, Sweden, Ireland, France, Germany, and amongst other at further afield countries, Hong Kong. Kanichi Kasano is the London representative of the JRA and joins me now. Kanichi, just explain why this is a significant advantage. Um, yes, yeah, so hi Nick, thanks for inviting me to your podcast, um, which is greatly um, appreciated and um, I think the Japanese fan would love it. So so just to briefly um, explain how it will benefit the, the, the industry is that because the exemption which was granted from the BHA is currently allow Japanese connections to fly in whenever they want, like other UK or Ireland or French horses running in UK. So like last year, it was like two weeks, at least they have to come two weeks beforehand. But since this exemption has been granted, that the trainers can um, decide when to fly in very flexible, which would facilitate more Japanese runners to come to run in UK. And so that flexibility means that you might get some of the horses uh, during the midsummer that, that might not otherwise have, have come. And tell us why uh, the the British Horse Racing Authority has granted Japan this exemption. It now sits alongside, yes, European countries like Ireland, France, Germany, Norway and Sweden, but also alongside Hong Kong. What standard has, has Japan had to meet in order to in order to get granted that exemption? Right. So basically, 
it, it's just a matter of level playing field because we, Japan, has a very high standard of anti-doping policy. Our lab, our lab, racing lab, is recognized by IFHA and FEI as a high standard laboratory. So this means um, there aren't any reason for the BHA to say we, Japan, uh, uh, a kind of a country which has low level of anti-doping. So it's just a, just a matter of fairness, I would say. And so do you think that we will see more Japanese runners in the UK because of it? That's the $64,000 question. Um, yes and no, because from the horse's movement, it is a great advantage. But there are still some hurdles, such as, like, for example, jockeys. The Japanese jockeys just cannot just come and, come and ride because they need... A, 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 a special visa which needs about three or four months to be issued. So, um, so it's, it's yes from the horses in, in um, horses movement, but from from the general aspect, there are still some um, works we still need to do to have more Japanese horses. But but generally, Japanese horses want to come to UK. So um, that's that's what it is. And, and just while I've got you on. What about going the other way? We we were speculating last week that August Rodin might be a horse that the Japan Cup could be a, a nice target for, and we keep hearing the Japan Cup being mooted as a as a target for more and more good horses. We thought we might get Alpinista there last year. Just reading the reading the tea leaves, Kenichi, do you think that there will be a, a higher proportion of European horses running in the race this year? Um, I. I would like to say yes, because because the reason why we're based in UK, we speak with the connections, trainers of the UK and Irish um, and horses. And I, I do feel quite good sense by talking to them. Nothing has really came in directly, but I, I do feel we, we think we are more interested by the, the UK connection than previous years. Kenichi, thanks so much for your time. Good news and fingers crossed that there is uh, more cross-pollination between the two countries in the next couple of years. Yes, love to, um, love to work together with the UK racing, so thank you for your time. Okay, thanks to Kenichi. Now, round the bloodstock well with our friends at Weatherbees today because today is Tuesday. Today we go to Normandy, to a particularly beautiful part of Normandy as well, to Calvados country, uh, to Ardugne, and to their assistant manager, Damien Desilles. This is a stud that has built its success on offering top-class racehorses and high-class racehorses under both codes at very, very reasonable prices. Doha Dream, Magic Dream, Moises Has, Montmartre, Penny's Picnic, Motivator, uh, the flagship name, and Texas, all standing at Ardugne. But first of all, Damien, as always on this slot, just give us a little bit of background, a bit of history, when the stud started and why. Uh, Ogonet was an alpha from Deauville. Uh, we, it was the stud we created in 1973 uh, by the father of Anthony. And he bought uh, the stud in 2006. And, the, and since 2016, Anthony is the director of the stud. And we have 80 broodmares. And for flat on jumping races, we we do some uh, from sell for the clients, and we take some uh, horse training for the rest. We have uh, an annex 
and the, for the resting for the horses and we work uh, a lot with uh, Bertrand Lemaitier and Baby and Grafa we, we said to them thank you to leave the horse for the resting on the stud the good good land good grass uh, we only on the era we are on 20 stud around the era is the, the best the best loan we can do for breeding for bread the bull we are only half hour from Deauville it's very quickly to go to Deauville for the sale uh, we don't have to drive too much for to the other stallion as well if we want to go to Bukto uh, we are only 15 minutes from Bukto Arad Bukto uh, we are the best best land to breed horses on the, on the area and are you are you moving more towards the the, the jumping and, and more away from the flat or do you like to keep a mix no, Anthony likes to keep a mix. He wants to, to serve all the clients on the flat, on the jumping races. We, 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 Anthony is the most for himself for the job, jumping racing, but he wants to get the client on flat as well. He wants to serve all the breeders flat on jump. Okay, uh, let's spin through some of the stallions, uh, Damien. First of all, uh, Everyone will remember Motivator. You know, he's famous not only as a Derby winner, but also as the sire of Trev. But but now in his dotage, five thousand euros for for Motivator. Yes, because we the Ogonet, we want to all clients, all breeders can get the good stallions. Otherwise, the price money on the stud we is a little bit cheaper to the other stallion. The, the most expensive is Motivator, is the cheaper one is. Uh, do a dream for 2000 to to serve to the, all the breeders is as the idea of Anthony. Uh, he was very lucky to get motivator this year. Uh, he's still doing good. You see, all and batting uh, with Jamie, the the son of motivator and uh, Ardus. Uh, he's still doing doing very well, and we are very lucky to get him. He 20 year old, 21 year old. You see, it's nearly the end, but we is still doing 19 mares this year. And you have a you have another son of Monsieur that people will remember very well, Montmartre, who's had a lot of success yeah. as a jump stallion sire of La Bake and Ellie May, Big Martre, and he's just four thousand euros. So you're 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 really trying to get it in, into established stallions for for little money. You you've got a real niche in the market there. Yes. The, the only the only problem this year we saw the people don't uh, coming a lot to him. Well, we, we, are, we are disappointing. We don't understand why because he still got the the winner last uh, last weekend in Auteuil. Group winner, group uh, listed winner on flat on flat races as well. Uh, we don't understand why the people no coming to him. He is only between 30 and 40 mares this year. It's not a lot. I suppose they're the celebrity names. I was looking at one or two of the younger stallions that you've got. Moises Haas was a very good jumper in France. Yes. Now, the, 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 the trend in France that we're now seeing spread to the UK and Ireland of, of having horses stand at stud who've actually jumped themselves. How, how important do you think that is, if at all? Uh, it's, very, uh, it's very important because uh, it's the son of Martilin who is a good sire, you see. Donc we, we, we try to, uh, to get um, all the good mare to him, to, to best uh, all the people. He was, he's very 
takes I think to the yearlings because he's the first yearlings this year to him he's good looking good shape donc we we will see but it's very important to get a good stallion a young stallion for the jumping racing in France uh, to, to on the market and we hope he's doing the good sell this year on the on the yearling sell uh, and the people coming a lot to see uh, the, all the progeny ah. we hope And magic. Because it's good looking, good shape. All, all the people was very said to us. It's nice yearlings. We we will see on the sale now. You've you've got a horse called Texas. Tell me a little bit about Texas because uh, he was uh, he was second to to Modern Games in the in the Poule d'Essai des Poulains by Wooden Bassett. Yeah, don't, well, yeah, we were same. We say thank you to Benoît Geoffroy because he's from Geoffroy family, uh, Texas on Magic Dream. He, he trusts on, on uh, Anthony. Donc, uh, thank you to Benoit Geoffroy. Uh, is, donc, this stallion is only for flat races, donc flat race. Donc, he's, uh, he get a lot this year. Uh, lot of the mare. He do uh, 70, 70. Uh, the, I mean, the season is not finished, but we hope he gain 70 uh, coverings this year. Uh, lot of of uh, Benoit Benoit Geoffroy because he want to support him. Uh, he's a good looking uh, people was like him. Uh, um, let's see because that is now it's difficult to say something. It's uh, the first season now. We have lucky to get the sound of Wooten Bassett on the stud because it's a good stallion, Wooten Bassett. And we have the no good stallion as well, Magic Dream. Not, not forget on him. He's the first foal this year. We hope also. We have a lot of hope on him. Tell me why. Jumping races. Tell me a bit. Because he's a, he's a, he know a lot of sound of saint dessin you know, in France. Uh, he's a good family, Magic Pauline. He, he's a very tough horses. Uh, all the fall is very nice and strong and we, we Anthony have a lot of hope on him because I think it's a good then we have to follow Magic Dream uh, during the sale to see how much is good the progeny and after on, on the on the races. May we have a lot of hope to Magic Dream. All right, thanks to Damien to all my guests today. Lee Mottishead is still with me. Lee's got something for you for today. We are going, Nick, to Salisbury. Uh, always a nice place to go. The 340, the Evening Partners Novice Stakes. It's a seven furlong contest uh, in which two horses, I think, are of particular interest. The market is dominated by the Roger Varian trained Equatorial. But at seven to two, Lion Tamer has pretty much posted similar form uh, to Equatorial. And I think is overpriced in the contest. And I'm tipping Lion Tamer number seven to win the race for Asheen Murphy and the Gosdens. All right, Lee, thanks so much. Thank you very much for listening. Another lovely sunny day. That was Tuesday, June the 13th. We'll see you again tomorrow. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association, and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary.